This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, fam. Welcome to the next episode of Making Shift Happen. We're at 133, which, I, you know, as this number of episode episodes increases, I, I just can't help but be incredibly grateful for each of you for tuning in every week. Seriously, it means so much to me. But also, I'm just completely blown away. <laughs> like, this was just something I thought about having a couple of years ago. Here we are, two years later. Boom. Episode 133. So today... We're talking about how to build confidence on the bike, because this is something I get asked quite often, uh, just about, you know, folks just not feeling quite 100% on the bike and just with certain skills and things like that. So I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive today and talk about the top seven things that you can do to help feel more confident on the bike. And in turn, you might be surprised or not surprised to find that a lot of these things that you're going to be, you know, implementing and trying to implement will actually help build your confidence off the bike as well. So that's a two for one special. You're welcome, friends. All right, so let's dive in. First thing you can do, of course, when it comes to building confidence on the bike, that's going to be skills. You're going to need some sort of skills. Even if you're just doing a cross-country type of race or gravel cycling, there are skills involved with keeping the rubber side down, okay? So when it comes to skills, you know, we're talking about track stand, cornering, Uh, body positioning on the bike, descending, ascending, climbing, whatever you want to call it. All of those skills play a part in the big picture of biking on dirt. And in order to get better at certain skills, go to a clinic, take a lesson, hire a coach. Of course, I am biased, you know, when when I mention hiring a coach because I am a mountain biking skills coach. However, The reason I'm a mountain biking skills coach is because I see the difference it can make in someone's riding abilities when they take a clinic or a a lesson, whether it's one-on-one lesson or a lesson that they're partnered with with friends, whatever, it doesn't matter. But then I see them improve tenfold when they practice the skills. So you can go, you can take as many clinics and as many lessons as you want to, However, if you're not implementing the skills and you're not practicing the skills regularly, then you're not necessarily going to see any improvement there. So when I mention skills and really improving your skills for this first little step in increasing your confidence, I mean, acquire the skills, but then also practice them. So find that time each week, one to two days a week, maybe, you know, five to 15 minutes each time and implement some of those skills. Practice them in the parking lot while you're waiting for your friends to show up. Practice them while you're warming up and you're just biking to the trailhead or whatever it is. Go to the local park, do it in your driveway, do it in the alley, whatever it is for you, whatever's the most accessible for you, do it. All right. But acquire the skills and practice the skills. All right. Second thing that will help you build confidence on the bike, your community. I want you to have a community of hell yes or fuck yes friends. I want friends in your community to support you in your riding. All right. If they're the type of folks who just don't want to ride with you because you're too slow or you just don't do certain things that maybe they are able to do and they just don't want to ride with you, 
that's on them. Maybe they're not the best people to have in your circle or in your community. You know, if anything, I want to have friends that I'm riding with that are like, Ooh, Jen, just follow my back wheel, you know, follow me into this or where I can do the same thing for them. Hey, do you want to follow me into this, you know, and and see what line I take? You need friends to ride with. Sure. But you also need friends that will uplift you and, and help you progress and help push you a little bit more. And I know sometimes this can be difficult for people because some folks are a little bit more competitive and you might come across folks who are a little bit more competitive in your community and in your circle. And maybe they just aren't a little jealous because you're doing things that they're not able to do yet. And that's fine. Some jealousy might happen. I mean, this is sport after all. So some jealousy and competitiveness can happen. However, that doesn't mean that they're going to be the wrong person to necessarily ride with. Maybe it's just a matter of you having a conversation with them and just saying, hey, you know what? I kind of feel this way when this is is done or when you might say these things or do these things. You know, and I know that's kind of raw honesty and a raw conversation to have with someone, especially if you might not know them very well. But at the end of the day, they might even come back and say, you know what? I just do it because I'm nervous. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about work or I'm thinking about something else or I'm I'm scared to do this. So I try to do this. You know, I'm scared to do this feature. So I kind of act out. It could be a variety of things. You might be surprised at what they say, but all in all, just have a community around you, have people to ride with, have people that will support you. And that's really going to take you far when it comes to, you know, your success at building confidence on the bike. All right. Third thing that you need, and this is going to sound kind of silly, but you need working equipment. Okay. You need your bike to be serviced regularly. You need your brakes to be, to be braking. <laughs> you need them to be doing the thing that they should be doing. You need, you need your tires not to be deflating, you know, constantly. You need them to have, you know, a fresh tube in there if you have tube tires and then fresh sealant in there if you have tubeless tires. You know, you should be changing your sealant at least once a season. But if you're in a drier climate like we are here in Denver or a desert climate like in the, in the Southwest, then you're probably going to need to change the sealant every three to six months in your tires if you have tubeless tires. So just some things to think about, but I'm going to link it in the show notes about getting your bike spring ready. And I know it's not spring. I know right now it's summer when this episode's dropping. However, having a bike that is working and you're confident then in the bike that you're riding, that says a lot. Okay. It really does. Now I will also say something that goes hand in hand with this, this thing of working, having a working equipment is also having a bike that fits you. You know, don't ladies, ladies or guys, I mean, really, it doesn't matter. Uh, depends on what your preferences are, but if you inherit it, your bike from your partner and the bike fit them. Okay. But you both are not the same height or you don't have the same dimensions, chances are your bike might not be ideal for you, all right? If the bike isn't ideal for you and you're not confident to fit on that bike, you're not going to ride confidently on that bike. And I know, I know you're probably trying to save some money. I get it because bikes are freaking expensive. They can be expensive. Um, 
but please look in the community, see if anyone in the community who is a similar height and build as you has something that they're offering, especially if you know that this is going to be a sport that you're going to stick with for a little bit of time, because that is going to make a huge difference when it comes to just your comfort level and confidence level on the bike is just being on a bike that actually fits you. So not only have it working properly and have it serviced regularly, at least every season, again, check out that episode that I'm going to link in the show notes, but also make sure that your, that your shit fits you. The shit fits, right? All right. Fourth thing, safety gear. And I know I'm going to sound super nerdy when it comes to this, but of course, safety is first. Sometimes safety is third for me, but most of the time safety is first. Always have a helmet, please. I know. I know I'm kind of like, I'm kind of putting my beliefs and things like that on you, but please, like no one wants to see, especially if you're riding with someone, no one wants to witness you having a head injury on the trail and you don't want to experience that either. Okay. Um, but please have a helmet, have a helmet that's recent, you know, isn't sitting out in your garage for, has been sitting out in your garage for like 10 years. Uh, please have it recent five years older, five years or younger rather is preferred because the foam and the, and the, the substances that the helmet is constructed of, it does break down, especially in heat. So if you're storing your helmet out in the, out in the, uh, you know, out in your car or out in the garage, that's maybe not insulated. The helmet is going to be taking a beating, even though it's not taking a physical beating. So the, uh, you know, the God, why am I having a hard time with words? Um, just what the helmet is made out of, the substances that it's made out of, that stuff can deteriorate. So please have a helmet that's fresh within about five years or less. Um, but then on top of that, and of course that's the obvious thing, then have some gloves if you can. You know, it can protect your hands in case you do take a spill. And then if you're open to it, have some knee pads, maybe even some elbow pads. I'm I personally don't wear that equipment all the time. However, um, if it is a technical, more of a technical trail, I will throw on some knee pads, but honestly, knee pads for me, no matter what size I get, kind of makes me feel a little restricted and makes my quads just not fire as well. I know, I know excuses, right? But it does make my pedal stroke feel a lot different than when I'm not wearing any pads. However, I will say if I'm riding a trail where there's some features in there that I want to try that I haven't maybe gotten or cleared or dabbed on then I'm going to throw on my knee pads and I might just keep them around my ankles and then throw them over my knees as I actually attempt those features. So that's an option for sure. But I will say knee pads can build confidence. It can just make you feel a little bit more comfortable to session something. Not again, they're not required. The only thing that's required for you to mountain bike, in my opinion, are just being able to wear some sort of like clothing. All right. So have some clothes, please don't do it naked. Um, have a bike, have a helmet and have some shoes. Like really that's all you need. Those, those key ingredients. And then, you know, what clothing you wear. I don't care. I don't care. As long as you're out on a bike and you're comfortable and you're not chafing. Fantastic. Like that's going to be the goal. But with safety, I will say having those knee pads, maybe even elbow pads, if it's really, really technical or it's a downhill park, having a chest pad or something like that can make you feel more confident to try things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily always try. All right. So that's why I'm mentioning safety, safety gear. All right. Again, they're not necessary. At least have the helmet, but I will say gloves can def. I know gloves have saved my hands countless times. 
um, personally, whenever I've taken a spill, because you're going to try to break your fall with your hand. And, you know, it's, it's something that you don't necessarily want to do all the time, but your hands, it's going to get scratched up if you're not wearing gloves. So just something to think about. Okay. That's why I wanted to mention it here. All right. Fifth one here to help you build confidence on the bike and feel confident on the bike is to just make sure that you're fueled properly. All right. And, and by that, you know, I'm not talking about you having to have like a pasta dinner or something like that or a pasta meal beforehand, but please just make sure that you have some energy in your body. All right. That you at least have a snack, the rule of thumb. And I've talked about this countless times on Instagram and other episodes, and I'll link them in the show notes on what to eat before, during, and after your bike rides. But I will say before you bike ride, making sure that you're fueled effectively, you can really make or break that bike ride. All right. No matter how long that bike ride is, but I will say the longer and more intense the bike ride is, then the more food you're probably going to want in your system when you first start. All right. Now, before you go out on a bike ride, ideally two to three meals or two to three hours rather before you actually go out on that bike ride, that's when you should have a balanced meal. And by balanced meal, I mean, generally speaking, you should have protein, carb, and a fat. All right. And you know, protein should be about a palm size. So about three to four ounces of meat. If you're, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, great. That's going to be your meat substitute beans, whatever it is for you. All right. So palm size of that, and then you're going to have a cupped hand or two of carbohydrates. So this is going to include things like rice, quinoa, pasta, if you're into that, uh, fruit, oats, oatmeal, whatever, any type of carbohydrate, potatoes, right? Then fats. You're going to have one or two servings of fats on top of that. And that's going to be, if you look at your thumb, the size of your thumb is about an ounce, roughly. Okay. Everyone's thumb's different. I know. I have tiny hands. My, my thumb is tiny. But about an ounce or so, or, or two tablespoons of a fat. So that could be a dressing, that could be avocado, that could be nuts, seeds, whatever. But you're going to have about one to two ounces of that or two to four tablespoons of that. So that, that, that encompasses a nice balanced meal. It's going to give you a nice little uh, energy boost. It's going to have you feeling great two to three hours before your bike ride. Then about 60 minutes, some people are different. Some people prefer like closer to 30 minutes if they're able to digest this, but around 60 minutes before your bike ride, this is when you're going to want to have a carb centric meal or snack. And this is going to look like uh, some fruit. This is going to look like uh, maybe some gummies, um, dried fruit, you know, maybe a little bit of potato maybe a little bit of white rice or brown rice, like whatever it is for you, but you're going to have preferably a simpler carbohydrate. And by simple carbohydrate, I mean something that's not complex or not fibrous or not starchy. So potatoes won't be ideal, but they do work. But, you know, something like that sweeter, maybe even a little bit of candy or white rice or like a white piece of bread or just something. All right. For me personally, um, I can get away with having a meal about an hour and a half before I actually ride. And for that meal, I usually have like an oatmeal with some fruit as well as some honey or maple syrup or some brown sugar on there because that's going to be a nice little complex meal, complex carbohydrate meal with some simple carbohydrates. And then of course I, I make it with 
excuse me, I add a little bit of protein powder to it, or I add a little bit of Greek yogurt or Icelandic yogurt to it, which has higher protein in it. And then that's giving me that little bit of protein to kind of balance out my blood sugar. Again, that's just an example. Everyone's different. You have to experiment with what works for you. But the, the key here is just to have something fuel before you ride. Try not to do your ride fasted or anything like that, or, you know, six hours after your last meal, try to at least have had a meal within that one to three hour mark before you, you ride, but preferably the closer, the better. Um, and just making sure that you have optimized your art, your fueling as best as you can. Okay. Now, sixth, this point is probably going to drive some of you crazy, especially if you're a new parent, but Optimizing your sleep and recovery is really going to go far when it comes to you feeling confident on the bike. Because I will say nine times out of 10, so many times I hear this uh, with friends and I also experience it with myself just because I'm such such a shitty sleeper, is on the nights that I get really crappy sleep, my rides the next day usually just aren't my best. I don't feel my best when I'm starting. I don't feel my best during. Of course, I feel my best afterwards because I'm kind of happy it's done. But then I'm also so high on the endorphins and I feel so great. It doesn't matter how much sleep I got the night before. Like I'm still feeling pretty good. But optimizing your sleep and recovery is going to be incredibly, uh, you know, just incredibly useful when it comes to you feeling confident on the bike. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna feel a lot stronger on the bike. You're gonna feel like you have that ability to try a technical feature or try something that maybe you're a little timid to try. And that's the key is, you know, you want to feel like you have the capacity both physically and mentally and a tired brain and body just won't feel like it's able to support your efforts on the bike. Okay. So, you know, I'm not asking you to sleep eight hours. I'm not going to recommend any of that crap. But a minimum of seven hours is usually the best for most people. Now, of course, everyone's different, but I will say, you know, five to six hours just isn't going to cut it regularly. You know, really trying to strive for that seven to eight hours or more is going to be more optimal for performance, okay? Now, um, you know, when it comes to sleep, I want you to think of it this way. Like a tired engine just it's not going to want to run. It's not going to perform optimally. And the same thing pretty much goes for, you know, you, and you're just going to feel so much more refreshed if you have a little bit of sleep. Now for sleep, I actually have not done an episode on sleep. I'm going to, uh, there's a couple of folks I do want to interview. Um, it's just a matter of kind of getting them on, uh, one of them is a sleep expert who is a psychotherapist and she's phenomenal. Oh my God. Um, but, you know, I haven't done an episode on sleep. I'm going to. It's coming. It's in the pipeline, I promise. That and an episode on, on menstrual cycle and, and fueling and performing effectively while, you know, while being a menstruating individual, that is definitely in the dockets. I've been working on that for a while. I've been researching that for a little while. But I will say when it, when it comes to sleep, the biggest thing is just try to keep your environment cool you know, uh, 66 or 65 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit is usually the ideal temperature. And I know we're in the middle of the summer right now, and that's not going to be possible for a lot of you. And that's fine. Just try to stay as cool as you can. The other thing is just try to be as, as be in a darker environment if you can. So no lights, 
Um, you know, if you have technology lights that are in the room, try to have them, you know, covered with some black electrical tape or something like that. But then also if you can, you know, try to black out your curtains if you can. And if that's just too much, then get an eye mask, get a silk eye mask. It will reduce the, you know, wrinkle risk and all of that. But an eye mask will go so far when it comes to actually blocking out any extraneous light in your room. Like we, in our room here, uh, we do have blackout shades. All right. We ended up getting them after we did put on just our regular shades, right? So we got some blackout shades. They, they work, you know, they work, but there's still gaps. There's still light that comes in. And I'm like a sensitive Sally because years of road traveling every week, uh, just being on the road period spoiled me because of course, hotels have the best blackout shades most of the time. So then whenever I come home, I was like, damn, man, I'm, I'm like wide awake. So I got an eye mask and that silk eye mask. Oh my God. It, first of all, it's nice and cool. So for any of you who are maybe hot when you sleep or perimenopausal or menopausal, you're welcome. The silk will actually feel a little bit cooler, but it blocks everything out. And it's so fantastic. And it makes, makes sleep a jet, uh, like just a cinch when it comes to actually going to sleep. The other thing is, you know, if, especially if you do live in the city or do live in a louder area of town or, you know, out in the country, it's going to be really handy to have some sort of earplugs. So earplugs, I know they're not the most comfortable thing in the world, but I wear a set of happy ears and I don't wear them very often, but lately I've been wearing them a little bit more often just to try to improve my sleep back to normal. And, um, and I will say the nights that I put them in, I sleep heavy and hard and throughout the night, which is fantastic. Um, I understand if you're a new parent, your sleep is not going to be optimal. So honestly, if you're a new parent, just try to do the best you can. Try to at least have a wind down, you know, time before bed that doesn't include alcohol, maybe includes a little bit of writing down any problems or issues that you have going on. Kind of do a little bit of brain dump, get it onto paper. Uh, Maybe do some breathing exercises. If you're into meditation, great. Now that time's a good time to do it. Just kind of calm down. Um, But try to wind down. And try not to use your technology for, you know, at least 30 to 60 minutes before bed. And that could really help optimize and get you to that seven to eight hour range. But all in all, just try to focus on your sleep and recovery. Okay. And then last but not least, strength, strength training. This is going to be number seven, lucky number seven, having some sort of strength training program or doing some sort of strength training period is going to make a huge difference when it comes to you feeling like you can actually control your bike and can support yourself on the bike for longer periods of time, regardless of what kind of riding you're doing. All right. So it can help increase your control overall. It can help you just feel more confident and resilient on the bike. Should you take a spill? So if you do happen to crash, you know, your ability to really bounce back and recover from that is going to be huge, absolutely huge. And I think that that goes without saying that, you know, I want everyone to to put in place some sort of strength training with them um, because honestly, it can make such a big difference. It really, truly can. And I mean, it's one of those things that I know I'm biased because I am a coach. And of course I am biased because I do have the Shred Strong program and But here's the thing is you're just going to feel so much more confident when you have the strength to really whip your bike around 
and to be able to do the things that you want your bike to do, to place the bike where you want it to be placed, to handle the technical features, to handle the climbing, handle that, you know, intense descent. It doesn't matter what kind of style of riding you do, but having some, some sort of strength training can make that feel just so much more comfortable, you know? And there's a reason that I even developed the Shred Strong program. It's because time and time again, I kept coaching folks where they would come to me for my nutrition and health coaching. And then they'd say, hey, I got this going on. And, you know, it's something that could be, uh, quite honestly, it could just be solved with some strength training. And I really recommend strength training at least twice a week. That's going to be fantastic. Three times a week is even better, but two times a week is a great minimum. All right. So two times a week strength training, get a full body in, full body, you know, session in. Um, and then, you know, give your body a little bit of love, do a little bit of mobility if you can and, and things like that. And if this is too confusing for you, great. Try the Shred Strong program. I mean, I, this is literally the same programming that I do. I actually do it myself all throughout the season and I have fun with it. Uh, and of course it's, it's the programming that I'm doing, so I don't want it to be a total bore. So I'm having it constantly evolve and, and go through this evolution throughout the whole year, every season. And this is going to be the third year that we're doing it, uh, starting in the fall this year. We're going to start in like late October, early, early, early November, I believe. And you can't beat it. If you're interested in it, yeah, I'm going to, I'll throw the link in the show notes. That way you can check it out. But if you're not doing the Shred Strong program, at least try to do a strength training session at least twice a week. And then what's cool is your strength training session can be about 30 to 60 minutes. No more than 60 minutes really is necessary, but about 30 minutes usually is a good minimum, regardless of whether you're on dumbbells, barbells, what doesn't matter. Um, but try to get that 30 minute session in at a minimum twice a week and try to focus on full body. All right. If you need the, uh, the workout guide or things like that, I'm going to see if I can attach it as a PDF to this email or to this show note rather. Uh, I can't guarantee it. If you have a hard time finding it though, I do have a link on my website. Um, and I'll see if I can link it to that actual ebook. So it's a free ebook and I'll link it there just in case you need it. Uh, but yeah, you just drop your name and your email address in there. If I'm not able to add it as an attachment, I don't don't think I will be able to add it as an attachment to this podcast, but we'll see. That's all I have friends. Those are the top seven things that you can do. Starting from the top skills, acquire skills and practice them. Second thing, community, make sure you have community of folks that you can ride with and who also support you and lift you up. Third thing, working equipment. So make sure you have a bike that is fully functioning and is serviced. Fourth thing, safety gear. Don't forget that helmet. Feel free to add some padding as you need to, just to feel more comfortable and confident. Fifth, make sure that you're fueling effectively and properly. Sixth thing that you could do is sleep and recovery, just optimizing that as much as you can. And then the seventh and final thing is strength training of some sort. All right. That's all I have for you today, friends. If you have any questions, drop them in Instagram, DM me in Instagram at shift human performance. I would love to hear from you. And, uh, and if you haven't already subscribe, rate, and share this episode, I would be forever grateful and I will catch you next week, friend. Bye.